0: the name of the pod was our last best hope for peace it was the dawn of the third age of mankind the year the great war came upon us all this is the story of the last of the babylon podcasts the year is 2259 the name of the pod is babylon five episode 45 the fall of night in which Earthdome takes sides in centauri-narn conflict Zach falls deeper into the night watch, and Kosh is revealed.
1: Coming to you live from the Surrender Dome, this is The Name of the Pod, the Babylon 5 podcast about the enduring cultural legacy of the 1990s program Babylon 5. I am one of your co hosts, John Cassie, and I am joined, as always, by my dear friend, Chris Tatro,
0: and <laughs> Surrender Dome. Two men right. enter. Right. Nobody really leaves.
1: Nobody comes. Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah. Two may enter, but whoever comes out comes out without any personal dignity. True. Right. True. Um, I can remember finding this episode gravely. Infuriating when I watched it for the first time in the '90s, and I just felt all of that soul ickiness in watching Earth Cave, mm-hmm. Jakhar uh, act like a potted plant, and <sighs> that Wells character from the from the uh, Night Watch from the Night Watch mm-hmm. is one of the most unctuous. People that we've had on this program so far, I think this was a great episode. I, I agree. This was this well. I, I would say this was a, this is a very solid
0: episode. Okay. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I loved it as much as some of the others that we've had this season. Okay. I think we've had a lot of really strong entries this season. That's uh, true. So so not as much as um, you know maybe the the. Uh, the coming of shadows or in the shadow of the and the yeah, shores, yeah. those i think were better i i feel like this one you're right it was infuriating in that it it tightened the screws in a lot of places mm-hmm. and amped up things that were already there but aside from the big kosh reveal i i, I felt like it didn't it didn't deliver anything really new mm-hmm okay um In the way that I like, expect
1: slash like my season finales to do. I I can accept part of that. Uh, I think that two things struck me as uh, pivotal from a season ending perspective. Hmm. The first being that regardless of what we might have believed or hoped for, the centauri shadow alliance is going to continue mm. to do what it has been doing right mm-hmm. the defeat of the narn well that's the cherry now we've got to get the whole ice cream sundae made as well right and and and, and that's going to be i mean i mean what are we talking about yeah. here they're, this they're is not, the pot. go
0: yeah they're not they're not satisfied with the Sudetenland. land
1: Exactly where I was going. Yeah. Right. So we've got the Pakmarasu Dayton land.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know we've got the Drazi. Uh, uh, you know uh, uh, Lithuania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we'll have an Anschluss on season three episode one, no doubt. Um, of uh, of additional territory, and and that that to me was a big big thing, mm-hmm. um, and the. Uh, you know the emergence of the Nightwatch as a uh, as a properly malevolent force in terms of uh, uh, you know social cleansing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you know, I, I had uh, I'd forgotten it came this early. I, I I thought that that stuff emerged in the third season, yeah. but no, we're fully in it. So right. you know to, to, to me those were two big things. Right. we, we had a
0: you know? we had all of the indicators of what the Night Watch was going to be when they were first introduced, when they first came on, you know, to to do the recruiting. But seeing seeing the operations in action, seeing Wells put the the, the pressure on uh, on Zach to right to 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 cave to, to turn in this this uh, merchant uh was was distressing you know significantly distressing because we've gotten the sense particularly throughout this season you know and he's he's sort of appeared more and more as the season's gone on that 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 zach is just he's a he's a good guy you know he's he's you know one of garibaldi's best officers he's you know he's. He seems to be, you know, his head's in the right place. He seems to be a nice stand-up guy. And he's broken pretty easily.
1: Right. We're meant to read him as an everyman, even more everyman Mm -hmm. than Garibaldi. Yeah. And the fact that he could be broken by a character as unctuous Mm -hmm. as Wells suggests where we are as a race where we are as a culture politically mm-hmm. and the power that the night watch has over its own members quite alarming and and the, and the power of you know the societal peer
0: pressure he's he's there in a room with all of his fellow officers you know i think in addition to the pressure from wells he doesn't want to go against the vibe of the room, and the, and you know maybe out of concern for his personal safety or or why I'm not sure, but you know he's 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 it's peer pressure. He's he's caving because everybody else there is everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is turning in disloyal traitors to the Empire.
1: That's exactly it, and it's that quality of what he chooses to do. That is particularly alarming, mm-hmm. at least to me.
0: Yeah. Or maybe he's just dim to the point where he doesn't realize what the implication is going to be until at the very end when he sees you know, the merchant being taken away and sees the sign up in the, uh, in the stall.
1: We haven't had a lot of time, really. We haven't really had the need to talk about Jeff Conaway as an mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back and study his performance, when he's in that room being peer pressured, mm-hmm. I think the degree to which he squirms and feels ill at ease in his clothing and mm. the shiftiness of his eyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but neither, frankly, is Garibaldi. We've had this over and over again. <laughs> um but he is—he has enough moral integrity to know what I'm about to do is not what I should be doing. Which is exactly what we get from Peter Jurassic's performance 60% mm-hmm. of the time when he's trying to deal with the things he's doing as Londo yeah, that, that he knows he shouldn't is, be doing.
0: That 60% is dropping pretty rapidly.
1: Dropping rapidly. Yes. His yeah, his behavior in this episode, uh, moral turpitude is the phrase that comes, that comes to mind. Hmm. Yeah. You know, Chris, when we were talking in the pre-show, we were reflecting on the ways in which the situation that is emerging. Would have been read by really anyone watching as obviously reminiscent of the appeasement of Hitler.
0: Well, sure. I mean, even if
1: the line wasn't given, peace in our time. You know, lest you, as an audience, fail to make the obvious conclusion that this is twenty-two fifty-nine by way of nineteen thirty-eight. Let me give you the the. The historic Chamberlain yeah. line, you know, peace in our time, mm-hmm. you know, when he returns from uh, from Prague mm-hmm. after meeting Hitler, only to have Hitler immediately mm. annex the Sudetenland, yeah. which was the whole point of of, of going in any case. Yeah. You never uh, want to go full Chamberlain. <clears throat> I don't think so.
0: No, no. I don't but, think yeah, it's, so. It's, it's, it's presented right out there. Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 show the same, yeah, the exact parallels of of the Earth is. We're kind of stepping back. We don't want to be involved in all of this alienness, really. Anyway, we want to be more of an isolationist government. You know, pull back from what's going on and uh, and just let them do whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't affect us. That's fine.
1: Right, and you know, in this regard, the behavior of Earth Dome is starkly reminiscent of the behavior of the government of the United States mm-hmm. in the 1930s, which was hesitant to get involved, prone to isolationism. There were tens of millions of, quote, America firsters, I mean the organization was called America First, mm-hmm. led by led by people like Charles Lindbergh mm-hmm. that were, uh, as as much as sympathetic to the Germans as you could be, uh, you know, within you know within the American context, the America First rallies held in the nineteen thirties and even in the nineteen forties attracted tens of thousands of 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 supporters uh, who were either prone to uh, Nazi sympathizing uh, or were it's, were attracted by Nazi racism. Or who just thought the United States shouldn't get involved. Mm-hmm. And you know we see within the Clark administration, right from the start, when he's running for vice president, mm-hmm. a nationalistic, xenophobic, inward-looking approach to foreign policy and to engagement in the galaxy that shouldn't be any great surprise that his administration wants to appease the Centauri at the end of the day, they think they can beat, they think they can beat the Mimbari in a fair fight, Uh, you know, in open space. And, and earth clearly thinks that it's at least, at least as good as that. Well, if the Centauri ever decided to come for us, we could, uh, we could, we could kick their tails. Wouldn't be an issue. It wouldn't be an issue. Like, so they're, who they're cares about all, all these con- other people?
0: Yeah, they're not something to be concerned about, and as long as they stay over there and, you know, settle their stuff amongst amongst their neighbors, then then it's not a it's it's not it's none of our concern.
1: Right. It's not our yeah. concern. Yeah. And that is precisely the argument made
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the late nineteen thirties and early nineteen forties. In the United States, right, um, and that should give us all great pause. Oh, absolutely! Um, you know, because the the, the parallels are, uh, are are so are so easily drawn. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have a fancy degree in history to make to make those connections. Although I think in this country right now we've, you know, we've probably forgotten largely about America first. Mm-hmm. uh because the you know the 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 actions of the you know the greatest generation i mean they really did save the world from from the scourge of nazism you know which right. was a proper scourge right yeah yeah you know but you don't really
0: learn in your high school history classes or you know maybe even in, in your introductory college history classes too much about that america first kind of push and movement it's it's right. it's washed away in the in the the actions of the the greatest generation that came after it it's and and you know uh, kind of understandably it's an embarrassment right You know that we have some of our uh, some of our more prominent Americans you mentioned Charles Lindbergh Henry Ford um, right. you know Prescott
1: Bush uh, right. you know Ger- Gerald Ford was an America first supporter yeah. until really? the, until the war came
0: huh I did not know that
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Um, um,
1: I, not, not as staunchly as Lindbergh I mean Lindbergh's mm-hmm. Lindbergh's ability to secure a government job and indeed his his status as a kind of global hero were profoundly diminished by his mm. America First uh, ties. He mm. he he didn't he didn't give up uh, he didn't give up his his ties to that organization as quickly as other people did. You know, he didn't see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's 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 something that that certainly you know, I know it, at least from my history classes that I got in in high school, it, it really it didn't focus on the the kind of negative uh, or or you know embarrassing unseemly parts of history. That uh, you know we, we got the the narrative of you know the the founding fathers and the you know George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and all of these you know great American myths
1: um, and yeah. a lot of
0: a lot of the 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 unpleasant truths the uh the 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 deeply unpleasant reality of of slavery uh you know was was really very lightly brushed over and and of course this was you know a million years ago in high school and i'd i'd hope that what kids are getting these days is
1: is better Uh, but yeah yeah i always thought that that there was a value in Uh, kind of teaching whatever country you're in, I think that this applies anywhere, you know, sort of teach the, teach the heroic narrative, right. That shows the country acting as frequently as you can within, within the context of its values, right. Mm -hmm. Hitting its notes, hitting its beats, doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, to sort of ground the learner in a kind of context, so that when they do the next thing, which is now let's study the same narrative, but from the perspective of people who were disadvantaged, disenfranchised, mm-hmm. enslaved, tortured, uh, dismissed, ruined, uh, not given access to the to, to the to the heroic narrative. Mm-hmm so that you can both understand the country as it wishes to see itself and as it as it frequently does not wish itself to be seen but mm-hmm. which nevertheless reflects some aspect of of ugly truth
0: and that's getting getting that balance is on anything whether it's mm-hmm. on the history of your own your own nation culture or mm-hmm whether it's on a you know, particular any particular issue on science, you know, I, I think it's I think it's vital to be able to fully understand and, and, and apply critical thought to look at things from all sides. Um, right I just think that there's there's been a tradition of American exceptionalism
1: uh-huh. in,
0: in education and particularly at the at the secondary school level um, that that shies away from showing the you know the, the dark underbelly. Uh, kinds of uh, of parts and and you know this then opens you up the accusations of well you know it's those liberal professors in colleges that hate america and so that's right, why they're talking right. about all these negative things because there there isn't that balance that that comes beforehand so swinging you know, swinging the pendulum to the other side mm-hmm. often seems a much more extreme reaction than if there had been a balance coming before. Is, am I making any sense? I'm, I'm feeling yeah, like yeah, I'm just yeah. Kind of no,
1: you you make perfect rambling. sense to me. Yeah, no. There's okay. um, yeah. if if all you do is the uh, is the story of a people from one perspective, which I think mm-hmm. what your argument is is that in secondary school education, you really only get the heroic narrative, and you sort of get it over and over again, right? That that there's that. Yeah. It's like, folks, there's stuff that isn't good. Mm -hmm. And studying it doesn't mean that you hate the country you're in or that you or that you uh, uh, that you hate the majority. But rather, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an acknowledgement that things are sometimes more problematic than you'd like them to be. Mm -hmm. And, and not everything is black and white.
0: And, and And things are systems are large systems are much more complicated. Yeah. Than yeah. they than they appear on the surface. They yeah. always are.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um and you know, we we can use these tools when we think about what we've been given about the politics and history of of Earth hmm. you know, in twenty two fifty nine to make some conclusions, you know. And we mustn't forget that Luis Santiago was elected president Mm -hmm. and he had a very different vision for earth than the vision that's playing out. So from a, from a narrative perspective, you would get a very, very different story if Luis Santiago was still the president of the earth alliance. I agree. And, and, you know, maybe it would have, maybe it would have made for a more subtle, problematic nuanced kind of approach maybe his administration would have still appeased the Centauri, mm-hmm. but for other reasons right
0: and i think you get that a little bit in your in your earth representatives who are here on the station in this episode you get uh you know your your lance yep. as, as much as his you know his piece in our time comment and his his desire for uh, for appeasement um, is, is wrongheaded. I feel like he was, he was entering into it for the right reasons. Yes. I, he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't smarmy like Wells. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, twirling his mustache and, right. and overtly evil. He, he genuinely wanted peace and he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to, to establish a legacy for himself of, of peace of uh you know for his grandchildren uh, he 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 didn't want to embroil earth in another war yep and these are these are understandable reasons much in the same way that if santiago were still were still president you'd have this person at the head saying you know saying the right saying the wrong things but for the right reasons
1: sure sure yeah i get that and that was
0: that was what i took away from lance in this the uh you know the the negotiator um and he, as, he even as infuriating as as it was when you know when he's he's telling sheridan to you know not you know not uh not not give any support to this this narn cruiser and and you know as you say maddening but you know he's he, he wants to keep that that knife's edge of peace now again if we look back at the the example of Cha- of you know Chamberlain and Hitler didn't really work out all
1: that well right and so. now of course we watched this in 2018 remembering watching it in 1995. Which is reflecting back on 1938, which is a lot closer, obviously, to 1995 than 1938 is to 2018,
0: right? 2018 is going to make 1995 look like
1: look like 1938.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I I don't know
1: what. what, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, What was the? uh, I am supposed to stand in front of this door and not let her in. Uh, no, exactly. no. <laughs> you yeah, <did>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very confusing. Um, yeah. The um, the the parallels, you know, to me are are uh, you know are 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 an indicator of how carefully JMS is trying to do the storytelling. He wants us to make those connections, and oh, so. Absolutely. L- l- Right, lest we forget them. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go a little a little heavy-handed, right? Mm-hmm. He's given us mm-hmm. two versions of Earth. Lance, the sort of career diplomat mm-hmm. who is doing what he thinks is right for you know his children and grandchildren kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. He really wants this piece to work. Yeah. He feels it in his soul. I hope it works, right mm-hmm. Wells, by contrast strikes me as a little bit more of a quote unquote new man. Mm-hmm. Oh okay, so we've got a new sheriff in town okay i'll I'll subordinate myself under under him and I'm gonna act in ways that are really problematic because. I want to be a loyal Nazi communist member of the national party of South Africa apartheid. What else are we supposed to do? That kind of thing. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. he's going to be the kind of guy when he's on trial at whatever Nuremberg looks like Mm -hmm. afterwards, who will look completely baffled. Like I don't even understand What you're talking about, what else was I, this, everyone did this,
0: Mm -hmm. which of course isn't true. He was following orders. Yeah, he was following orders. Mm. The classic Nuremberg, yeah.
1: Right, whereas Lance, being a person of idealistic integrity, Mm -hmm. will be shown the door in a purge or, you know, will be gulagged or something to that effect, you know, as a, you know, as a true believer. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's not he's not a collaborationist. He's a he, he's the worst he's the worst kind of politician. He's someone who who believes he can do do good, right? And right. to a, and to a criminal regime, that kind of person has to be gotten rid of. Right, you can't have people the, the, of integrity acting within a, within a criminal regime. Right, they're useful to a to a point.
0: Right, you know, but uh, until they start kind of coming around to what's going on under their feet. Right. And and then, you know, they're going to speak up. It's just in their nature and and we can't have that. It just doesn't help.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's not uh mm-hmm. that's not going to be allowed. No. Uh So we've got we've got ourselves finished and therefore launched into third season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with some very problematic earth content right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and very problematic Centauri content mm-hmm. okay you know the 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 Narn have one have one space battleship remaining you know yeah the 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 Narn Argo
0: hurry star force
1: hurry Star force there's only 184 days left right
0: we'll to uh, save homeworld
1: okay can I can I riff on that for a minute? <laughs>
0: Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: Why is it that only aliens refer to their own planet as homeworld? Earth, ne- no one on Earth ever I, refers to Earth as homeworld. It oh, it makes me yeah. crazy.
0: I, you know, I just, I just assumed it was a translational thing. Yeah, that they have a word for it and it translates to home in the way that Earth would translate to home. You know, and and it's just. You know, they never bothered to correct the the early, you know, English Narn dictionaries. And so they, they still use, say they say homeworld, it's easier that way.
1: Yeah. And if I'm, uh, maybe li- listeners, if you can, if you can recall an example of this, let me know. Uh, no human ever refers to Earth as homeworld. They will, they might refer to it as Earth dome, right? They, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't remember what that. It's like a metronymic, right? You when you're describing the the government of the United States, you talk about the White House, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, number ten Downing Street, mm-hmm. something some, mm-hmm. uh, the Kremlin, the Kremlin, yeah. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I've ever heard a human refer to Earth as homeworld. I'm not sure. What ago. other
0: examples of of aliens? referring to their their worlds as homeworld besides the narn
1: the centauri do oh do they indeed Hmm. Indeed. i missed that yeah Hmm. i'll have to listen for it on a number of occasions Um, okay but sometimes they call it centauri prime but -hmm. sometimes they call it homeworld uh mimbari i don't think the mimbari ever refer to mimbar as homeworld that's what listeners if you remember Mm. an example I sort of feel like there's a linear example there that is escaping me. And of course, the Mm. Vorlons.
0: God knows. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows?
1: Yeah. It could just Uh, be
0: a JMS idiosyncrasy. Maybe. That that maybe it was dropping into the scripts and he didn't really even notice. Yeah. Like he was doing it here and there. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Makes me crazy. It it was the, the, the references to Narn as homeworld was were were they stood out more in this episode for me for sure
1: for sure yeah. uh all right, I'm gonna let it go. So uh, Chris, we probably want uh you know as we uh, you know after reflecting on some of the political stuff, we probably want to reflect on one of the most surprising reveals perhaps of the whole season and that is uh Kosh as as angel kosh as as flying the flying nun i mean what is this kosh as luminary being yeah uh, kosh as a luminary being right
0: yeah yeah um which was definitely i remember i remember this you know i remember nothing but i remember this from from watching this episode way back when and uh um being being really taken by surprise but really when you you think back to delen's line or or you know about how, if they came out, everyone would would recognize them. Well, how right. does that work? You know, right. is, it, is it like you know, like David Bowie? You know, <laughs> or something? Just just somebody that's super famous. You know what? What did it mean that everyone right. would recognize him? Well, okay, because because they have this kind of of touchstone into all of the cultures that everybody asterisk uh, recognizes. Uh, this being as as something wonderful and positive from their from their own culture right um and i gotta say it was surprising to me that people weren't fighting over it um and and i wonder you know it 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 wasn't it wasn't a well i saw that it was you know blah 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 no it wasn't that it was this and and, and, yeah
1: right fights
0: in the zocalo and all this stuff but, uh, but really, just, oh, well, whatever it was, it was a it was a blessing on this place. Um, and I wonder if that's kind of a distinction between when you really see something of the divine as opposed to kind of people believing that you know, people really, really pushing their own their own kinds of beliefs and their own stuff without any without any kind of uh you know 10,000 year old light being help on the ground there yeah so yeah. so if if we're if we're basking in our own uh kind of we're making our own gravy of religion we're going to argue <laughs> about it when when it comes into into conflict but but you know luminous being comes down out of the sky everybody's going to be like okay that's cool and we're not going to fight about it you know maybe that's the the power of the vorlon presence
1: yeah right right uh the fact that the fact that everyone sees something different except the notable character who doesn't see anything yes and they don't fight about it we 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 made a we made a flippant reference a, a couple of a couple of uh, episodes ago that it's all part of the game mechanics, right? Yeah, you know that guys. when yeah when you uh, you know if you are a Vorlon when you leave your encounter suit, um, all 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 characters within you know within three miles have to save versus uh, your luminous presence at minus one hundred, right? Yeah. Right, and 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 if yeah. they fail, they are. They are thunderstruck mm-hmm. by your presence and will just gop at you, mm-hmm. and uh, they will be unable right. to fight their 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 enemies for you know ten minutes or something. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I was quite taken by this scene when I watched it the first time, and I mm-hmm. think maybe seeing it, knowing it was coming maybe lessened its impact a little bit for me on the second and third second and third viewing Yeah, right
0: yeah um, I'm not sure the effects held up as well as some of the other effects in the show have I mean the space battle in this in this episode was fantastic
1: fantastic
0: it was, it was as good as any I, I think it looked as good as anything you'd get today um, but the the Kosh wings effect uh, it didn't it didn't it didn't work as well as I wanted it to.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of that makeup effect mm-hmm. that just—it's like we need a little, we need some more polygons, or we need we yeah. need we need something a little different. But
0: and there was definitely an uncanny valleyness, which was probably intentional. Yes, yes, you know, of the C of the 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 CGI. Added to the actor's face to kind of, you know, give it a a, a you know an androgynous a, you know unhuman yes you know, angelic, for lack of a better word,
1: look yeah uh, it it is an indication we are by doing this where I think we're meant to be to interpret this as kosh going all in putting all his chips on you know that john sheridan is is worthy of being saved
0: yeah 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 i i I wondered about that you know if you if you put the whole uh, the whole balance of things of well if he leaves the encounter suit the shadows are going to know that the vorlons are you know what they are that they're still active that they're still around um But on the other hand, this guy's been, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's been through the gauntlet this, uh, this season. He's passed the Inquisitor's tests. Right. You know, is it that he's, that John Sheridan himself is so special or that there's no time to make a new, uh, warrior, no time to train someone new. And we just have to, you know, better stick with this
1: one. Yeah, maybe. Don't,
0: don't know entirely for sure at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I think given that we've we've seen him go through the inquisitors, uh, you know, uh, noose and uh, and all the rest of it, I think mm-hmm. we're meant to see it as y- you know the laying on of hands. Yeah, but but we'll learn soon enough.
0: I suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the Londo thing though yeah go that he didn't see anything yeah and I and I wondered I mean the obvious answer there is well it's because he's got no soul he's he's sold out to the to the shadows and so he doesn't get to participate in this you know great vision and miracle that everybody else sees right um but part of me wonders if it's a larger if it is a centauri thing based on the nature of their religion that we know so far they don't seem to have angelic beings as much as they've got you know roman god kind of uh, kind of figures um yeah and the whole being of pure light doesn't seem to doesn't seem to fit with that uh, with with that image
1: yeah, we um, we're we're, uh, we're led to interpret that as well. Londo has clearly fallen into darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it might just be a function of Centauri religion. Yeah, right. They, Maybe the Vorlons you know, the, didn't go there. The Vorlons never went. For whatever reason, and therefore, there's no... They
0: thought the hair looked dumb. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a possibility. It's possible,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or they were like, if until they figure out whether they're a republic or an empire, we're not going anywhere near them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah, it's the end of the they're, season they're, they're and I am just grinding all of my axes right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. We kinda have nice sharp ones over the summer. Exactly. Uh, uh yeah. You had one other thing you wanted to raise, I think. Uh yeah,
0: just in closing for me the best scene of the episode and, and one of the one of the best of the of I think maybe even the one of the best of the back half of the season is is uh Veer and sitting totally. at the Bar. Totally. Um you know, having Parallel conversations. Not even really, you know, they're not talking to each other. They're just talking at each other. Yep. Um, and and then the same time tomorrow. Okay, you know, is so, yep. this is this is a thing they do? Um, and uh, it was just charming. It was great. It was a nice touch of the totally of, of them. We we don't get enough of a, the two a little of them together.
1: Of, completely. Yeah. We've all had those mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. of having of having, you know, the quote unquote, your work wife, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of, that person you go to, uh, who you can just, you, you can just sort of walk by and go, uh, huh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. See you soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're, they're yeah. well, they're well suited to each other, you know, as, as these characters, mm-hmm. as these characters evolve. Yeah. I thought that was a yeah. dynamite scene. So Chris, yeah. I think that brings us to the end of this program and the end of season two. Now it's the end of season two of Babylon Five, but it is not the mm-hmm. end of season two of the Name of the Pod because we will have our season two wrap up episode uh, that follows this mm-hmm. one, and uh, and I'm not sure we're going to record that. We might record it live in Columbus, or we might record it the way that we that we generally do. Uh, it's not clear to me yet, but yeah. you know, you will you will get this. Uh, you'll get this mm-hmm. episode and then the one that follows, uh, you know, in our normal release schedule. And uh, from there, we will hiatus, as we said last time, you know, over the next six to eight weeks, prepping for the third season, getting ourselves ready and, you know, doing doing summary sorts of things to, uh, to get us where we need to. Um, Translation, folks, you know, where to-
0: playing a lot of WoW and not having to worry
1: about editing podcasts. That is correct. I've got characters to level. And, uh, you know, I've got to be ready for Battle of Azeroth, which drops in uh, August. August 14th, I think. I've got so much grinding to do. I know, I know, I know. Best not to talk about it. And then there's the game. Uh, Correct. Just as you say. (laughs) As I say. Friends. You better uh, take us out. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Facebook, the name of the pod, Visit us at uh, at our at our homepage. Just type name of the pod into any old search engine. The name of the pod at gmail.com. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, this episode and season two of the name of the Pod in Babylon 5. We'll be back next week with our season ending finale where we take a look at the journeys that each of our main characters, you know, if you if you're in the credits, you get you get talked about. and we'll have our top five and bottom three. Uh, as we had, uh, you know, in our season one roundup. So until then, folks, uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk again soon. See you, Chris. Bye. Bye.